Hello, hello, listeners. Thank you for joining us here at The Bible Never Said That, a podcast where we discuss sayings that society and even the church like to say, but that miss the mark theologically. My name is Shara Donahue, and I'm here with Laura Chica as we continue our summer of guests. Laura is the author of the book Journey, A Path to Biblical Change, and co-founder of Restored, a biblical counseling ministry that helps marriages, individuals, and teens in crisis. Laura has been a mentor in my own life and time as a biblical counselor, and I'm looking forward to having her share her wisdom with you listeners as we discuss a saying that too many people carry as truth, in the church specifically. If people are sick or suffering, they must have hidden sin. But there's also the worldly version of this, which would be, if something bad happens to you, then you must have done something to deserve it. Laura, I'm so glad to have you here. Can you tell me why it is important to address that the Bible doesn't say this? This topic is particularly personal to me because it really deeply affected my family as well as then how my parents in particular parented. When my mom and dad were dating, 17 years old, just getting ready to graduate from high school and getting close to being engaged to be married, they were in a terrible car accident. That car accident not only hospitalized my my mother, but hospitalized her with life-altering injuries. And as she was there hospitalized waiting to have surgery, she was visited by a member of her church that she had attended all her life growing up. And, and that gal, after spending some time visiting with her, really confronted her there in the hospital, encouraging her to confess her hidden sin because surely the accident and the suffering she was now facing was a direct result of undealt with sin or hidden sin that she needed to confess to God. That confrontation dramatically affected her relationship with the living God, as well as her relationship and her trust then in the church. My mom had actually been really, really obedient, really desiring to live a life that pleased the Lord and did not have any areas of unrepentant sin or what we might call lifestyle patterns of sin. Of course, we know everybody sins, but there weren't areas that we would clearly identify that she needed to really deal with or that God might be convicting her of. So when she was then experiencing this great suffering, it created an area of doubt about who God was and how he interacts with us, particularly in our times of suffering. And it also created doubt and insecurity about the church and whether or not the church was a place that was safe to go to in times Mm -hmm. of suffering. That deeply impacted then how my parents would raise us up in the faith. And I think always kept my mom somewhat distant from really entrusting herself to God Mm -hmm. and also entrusting herself to the community of faith. And so I see this this wrong interpretation of scripture as being very detrimental to those who buy it or who begin to believe that that's that's a true doctrine or a true way of of thinking about how suffering impacts our lives. Yeah, and the shame that that could just heap on somebody's soul. 
the hurt, the pain, and it makes them look at themselves as though they are dangerous. They are hiding things from themselves and just deserve evil. I think that's really well put. And I do think that that is some of the exact thinking that my mom was left with lying in that hospital bed. And that would then follow her for many years down the road. And we do know that people are predisposed to sin, that they choose sin often. But if they are a believer, there is grace for that, that Jesus came to pay the price. So not all of the suffering that we experience is for us to be paying the price again. I think that's really well spoken, Shara. And I think that having that right biblical view about suffering and how it does correlate or respond to our sin becomes really important because we know we all do sin. And ultimately, suffering is a consequence or a byproduct of the reality that we live in a sin-fallen world. Our whole world is broken and we suffer because of generalized sin. That means that there's a generalized sin that came into the world and because of that we have disease, we have natural disasters, we have pandemics that we experience. But we also understand that there is a correlation to the choices that we make when we live in disobedience to the way God has ordered the world to operate and we choose to live according to our own will and our own thinking as opposed to God's. We do reap consequences. And so we understand that there is a correlation. But because of God's great love and His grace, our suffering is far greater than just the connection it has to personal sin. There's more going on scripturally that should give us hope and great confidence that God is taking all of our suffering and he's subjugating it to his will and he's forcing it to be good for us. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. What a relief it is that we can trust in God's good character, even when we are facing bad things. But why do you think that an idea like this, that is as harmful as it is to those who hear it, is as popular as we see it to be? I think it goes back to 
man in his natural state believes that if I am good, good things will be will happen to me. But if I'm bad, bad things happen. We hear that in things like what goes around comes around, karma. If I do good to others, good will come back to me. I think we have in our in our pagan roots this idea, which ultimately is doesn't come from God. It comes from the enemy who sells us a lie that somehow we can either earn good or do good to get good. But if we're bad, we can expect punishment. We can expect bad things to happen. And so it's really a scheme or a theory, a philosophy from Satan that we buy as human beings. And we then, we maybe clean it up and put it into the church, put it in churchy language, but then we propagate it or tell it to one another and becomes destructive. Yeah. Well, I also think that there's an element too of fear that people find comfort in blaming the suffering of others on the sin that those people committed. People want to be able to explain away the suffering of others so they can believe that it won't happen to them. I think there's an element of that that comes into play as well. That's a great point. I remember talking to a mom whose young child was just diagnosed with diabetes, type 1. So it it wasn't something that was done because the way the child ate or because of the lifestyle the family had. And... She was approached by several parents who came to her and they said, you know, I'm so sorry to hear about your son. That's really hard. We'll be praying for you. But that's why we don't let our children eat sugar. So the correlation had been made that your son got type 1 diabetes because you let them eat too much sugar. And if we can avoid doing that behavior, that bad thing won't happen to our child. Yeah, if people are always looking for ways to control, especially the stuff that seems fearful and out of their control, they want to be able to say, that's not going to happen to me. Unless they have their trust fully in God, they are afraid of everything. We can be afraid of everything that is out there, but he is the one that we have to rely on to keep us safe from those things and to guide us through the things that he chooses not to keep us safe from. So how do we trust in God's good character when we do face something that doesn't feel safe. I think scripture gives us the resource to go to, and it tells us where is God in our suffering. It also tells us that God is doing far more in our suffering and that sometimes he orchestrates or allows our suffering because he's doing something that is good for us. Now, you and I would never raise our hand and sign up for it. We wouldn't say, (laughs) hey, I want suffering. But you and I might raise our hands and say, I want to grow in my relationship with Christ. I want to be more and more conformed to his image. I want to experience the, the spiritual blessings of walking in a close and deeply connected relationship with the living God. But what if raising our hand was raising our hand for suffering because suffering was one of the means by which God was going to accomplish just those things in our lives. Would we still raise our hand? Would we still say, Jesus, I want to follow you, even if it means that following you is a path of self-denial and picking up my cross, a picture of suffering? Many times we just don't correlate that the life of following Christ 
or becoming more Christ-like entails suffering. But scripture tells us that suffering is part of his plan. And it isn't just that he allows us to suffering. I think this piece is just amazing. God himself entered into our suffering. Mm -hmm. Suffering was the path that he chose even to bring us our salvation. And so he sets the tone or sets the example in which we can follow in that he came, he suffered, only he suffered righteously. He had no sin Mm -hmm. and yet he still experienced suffering. And in suffering, instead of retaliating or becoming angry or vengeful or giving back to those in the way that they had done to him, he instead entrusted himself to God, Mm -hmm. the Father. Mm -hmm. And so he sets an example for how we are to follow. We can face all sorts of suffering and we can entrust ourselves to the one who judges righteously, which which is God, the Father. And I think that does address then what you had brought up earlier, which was many times we're much more motivated by fear than we may even recognize. I think there's also some other areas that God talks about um, what he's accomplishing in his suffering. If we look at the Gospels, Jesus and the disciples encounter the man who's born blind. And the disciples ask him a good question, which I think we might even ask as we Mm -hmm. go by you know, maybe we're driving by the corner and we see somebody who's begging or somebody who's who's homeless in the culture around us. And we may say, okay, well, they're there because of, and we try to fit in because of this or because of that behavior or that yeah. choice. But when the disciples ask Jesus a similar question, why was this man born blind? He gives them quite a different answer. He tells them that the reason that this man was born blind, which would have been a life of suffering was because he wanted God's glory to be displayed in him. And so God now is, is adding a new formula to our idea or understanding of suffering by saying that the result of our suffering or the purpose for our suffering may not even be connected to sin, but that it is for God's glory to be put on display in us. So is it possible for somebody to go through a difficult time, the loss of a child, the diagnosis of cancer, the loss of a job, or other types of sufferings that we might see or encounter? We are going through those because we have an opportunity to put God on display, to give him glory in the way that we walk and live through that suffering. What would you say to somebody who says, well, I don't want God to glorify himself through me by making me experience this? How do you handle it when counselees come to you and that's where they are? I think that's a great question. And I'm guessing a lot more people feel that even if they don't verbalize it. Do we really want to follow Christ if it means suffering? And I do think there's a lot of people who then step back in their faith, don't really entrust themselves to the Lord because they are fearful that if I really release the sense of control that I have over my life, God might allow hard things in my life and I don't want that. But in reality, that's truly an illusion. God is orchestrating suffering in ways in our life that are weaning us off of self-dependence and self-reliance 
and really bringing us to the end of ourselves so that we will be more dependent and obedient to him, that we will grow or be more conformed into his likeness. So really helping, I think, people to grab a better biblical understanding of what God wants to accomplish in our suffering, really helping them understand the equation that you can, in your mind, take God out of the suffering and say, okay, God, if I don't choose to really follow you, I won't suffer. But that's not really true. The, the choice isn't, do I, if I follow God, I'll suffer, or if I let God in, I'll suffer. The, the truth is, I'm going to suffer. Do I want to suffer with Christ, or do I want to keep him from going on the journey of suffering with me? So that's probably a better reality of what we're choosing. And then the encouragement is to see what does God promise from Scripture that brings hope and promise, and that all-important word, I think, purpose to our suffering. And that's something only God can provide. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So... Let's look at the scripture. Where in the Bible can we look to see that this isn't a must, that suffering and sickness must mean hidden sin? I think the first place that I think of is the book of Job. Job actually is highlighted because God puts him on center stage. God is the one that says, have you considered, have you seen my servant Job, and then God himself identifies him as one who is righteous. And so he's identifying that he isn't one who has a lifestyle pattern of sin or unrepentant sin that isn't being dealt with. God says, this is a righteous man. And yet God would go on to allow Satan to bring great suffering into Job's life. If we fast forward to the end of the book, we come to this conclusion that Job will declare at the end, which I think is just amazing. Job says, God, after all of my experience and my suffering and 
all that you have been to me in the midst of my suffering, he makes this declaration. I had heard of you with my ear. In other words, I, I had known of you. I knew of you. I had heard about you, but now I have seen you with my eyes. Mm. So his relationship with God had significantly grown from one state of knowing God to this much more deep and intimate way of knowing God experientially. And it was his suffering that brought him to that point. Job never had a reason. He never had the explanation as to why or what was some of the purposes behind the scenes. He didn't have any of those answered for him. But what he did have was he had a better, deeper, and more experiential relationship with the living God. And Job said, that was enough. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think that's a beautiful picture of understanding that our, our understanding of suffering has to be as broad and as deep as Scripture gives us. And there's so much more to our suffering than just how it might be impacted by our sin. Yeah. Oh, it's good stuff. Now, we have to talk a little bit about the fact that sometimes our suffering is caused by our sin. You know, we see in Galatians 6, 7 through 9, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, will he also reap. For the one who sows in his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. And then we also have stories like Sodom and Gomorrah. And so we see that biblically, sometimes suffering is caused by sin. So how do you address this paradox when working with somebody who's trying to heal from the words that have been spoken to them when they are suffering, that their suffering is from sin when it is not. I hope today, even just as we're having this this conversation, that people will feel more deeply encouraged to know, how do I think about sin and suffering? Whenever we experience suffering, just as a general practice, Scripture also tells us to take heed to ourselves. To, to really go back and say, are there places in my thinking and in my behaving? So the things that I think, the things that I do that are outside of God's thinking and God's way of describing how I should live. When we live apart from God, so Proverbs talks about there's a way that seems right to man. There's a way that, that, that thinking and living seems right to me. But its end is death. And when I think about death, it isn't just that, that, that we're all going to die, but it's, it's death of all sorts of things uh, relationally. Um, and, and really, the ultimate consequence of sin is death. So all of the consequences that we might experience in life would be culminated in that idea that there's a way that seems right to you, but in its end, it's going to bring destruction. So don't live that way. And that's a good description of the way sin affects us. When I make choices that are independent of God, it brings destruction, consequences, or suffering to my life. So then I want to be one who is continually submitting my thinking and my actions to how God says 
in his word I should live. Now, if I am constantly assessing that, right? So I'm looking to say, okay, is there ways that my thinking is not biblical? Is there ways that my choices are not biblical? Then I want to course correct that. And of course, God gave us the means by which we can do that. First John 1, 9, I can go to him and confess my sin and he is faithful to forgive me. So he already has the means by which I can quickly course correct. And then in a, doing that assessment now, and, and I love this piece, Shara, even if I have suffering that is a direct cause of my sin. So let's say I, I've decided for the last 20 years I want to smoke, right? So I've smoked cigarettes and now I'm dealing with some of the physical ramifications of that choice. Here's the beauty. God will still take that current suffering my physical suffering because of my choice, because I wanted to live in a way that seemed right to me, and he will still subjugate that suffering to his will and force it to be used for for my good and for his ultimate glory. It doesn't mean he's going to alleviate the suffering, but it means now he's bringing his purpose to it. It means that he's going to use that suffering for my ultimate good, which in his in his economy is to be further conformed to the image of Christ. That's the power of and grace of the living God that he uses suffering in all of its categories to bring good to me and glory to himself. And that's, that's powerful. Yes. Amen. May that be the thing that will rouse us to faith instead of fear. And as we wrap up today, Laura, Will you pray for our listeners? I would I would love to. Dearly Father, Lord, come to you um, having just spent some time chewing on a really difficult, a really difficult topic. Suffering is something that that affects us so deeply. Uh, and it, even though it it affects us each differently, some some suffer deeply and some suffer through extreme difficulties and and other times it seems like suffering doesn't touch people's lives equally or in, in the same way and so we from a human perspective are trying to make sense of that and often the conclusions we come to are not just wrong they're unbiblical and they're unhelpful to help us in understanding who you are and really helping us grow in our right relationship with you Many times our wrong thinking about suffering and sin lead us to to become more ingrained in doing things our own way instead of truly surrendering to you and entrusting ourselves to you even in our deep times of pain and loss and suffering. So Lord God, to all those who are really struggling with this issue, Uh, struggling to make sense of their current circumstances and their current suffering. Lord, I pray that they would go to your word, that they would see that in a variety of different ways you are putting on display how you use suffering for your glory and ultimately for our good. And I pray that that would be not just encouragement, but, but deep hope and also um, strengthening that we can walk through suffering in a way that puts you on display, 
so that you would be glorified even in the hardships and the difficulties that we face. Lord, I I pray that this would have been a time of encouragement and that people would just deeply seek you in your word. We just thank you that you do give us your word so that we can think biblically about suffering and sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Laura, thank you so much for joining us today. And listeners, thanks for tuning in. The resources and scriptures referred to can be found in the show notes at lifeaudio.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Laura's info will be there too in case you need counseling or are interested in her book. And if you're over in the notes, we'd love if you would rate and review this podcast so others can find us. Until next time, may you seek the abundant life Jesus died to give and live in the truth that sets people free. And one by one, I watched my dear friends get engaged, get married, start having children. And especially as a woman, I felt like there was a certain timeline that these things needed to happen in my life. Charity Gale shares a personal testimony on The Walk, a podcast for worshipers. Join us weekly to hear songwriters, worship leaders, filmmakers, and other creatives tell their stories in the form of a devotional. The Walk can be found on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast platform.